0: well after a busy and frantic few weeks of action championship 2022 drew breath over the weekend as leinster hurling took a break but in munster limerick and tipperary played out an absolute cracker with the all-ireland champions coming out on the right side of the result after a late flurry while in football cork and kerry finally locked horns at porky rin while Donegal and Cavan also played out a very entertaining clash up in Ulster. Welcome to the Throw-On Podcast, Will Slattery here with you as always. We will be joined in just a few minutes by Colm Keyes to go over all the football action. And in part two of the show, former Dublin hurler and footballer Connell Keeney will join us to discuss the hurling game in Munster. As well as check in on how Dublin are getting on ahead of their game against Kenny next weekend. But for now, Michael Verney is here with me. Michael, I suppose it wasn't kind of the blockbuster weekend we've had over the last couple of weeks, but still there was plenty of intrigue.
3: There was, yeah. You mentioned there was only one kind of major hurling game, but there were two very important minor games, which mm. uh, I have a, a serious vested interest in. A great win for the, the Offaly Minors against Dublin. Uh, they had not beaten Dublin since 2005, I think, in the Leinster Minor Championship. So a big win over them. And uh, they're playing Leash uh, in the Leinster final for the first time ever. I think it's only the third time in history that neither Kilkenny or Wexford have been involved in the Leinster minor Hurland final. So, a fairly uh, novel pairing. I think it's uh, on next Monday. It's in either Port Leash or Tullamore. So, there'll be uh, a big Midlands derby. There'll be a good old cracker in the Midlands for the next week. But good signs for both counties. Leash obviously probably struggling in the Leinster round robin awfully. You know, in or around the top of the Joe McDonough, but good signs for the future. Uh, with smaller counties like that, sometimes you can nearly hang your hat on a good minor team. You know, you're going to get a lot of them through. So we'd be hopeful of getting a uh, getting a good result in the final and then carrying it through with a lot of those guys coming through to play twenty and senior over the next four or five years with a bit of luck.
0: Yeah, and I know you were at the uh, Limerick Tipperary game over the weekend. If I'm not mistaken, that was maybe your first time seeing them live in this year's championship. Yeah, but, uh, you know. Do you glean anything extra by watching them in person?
3: Uh, I know you do. Yeah, you always, you always see bits and pieces that you that you just don't see on the on the TV. Particularly, like there was a point. Um you know, that Barry Nash got in the second half, and you're just seeing the one-twos and the shimmies and the runs that he's making that are totally off the ball and totally off-screen. So you do you do learn an awful lot from that, even just, um, you know, I think, and I'll go into it later on, you know, how Tip tried to shut down Dermot Burns was really interesting to see, and probably something that you probably couldn't see on TV with them leaving Dan Morrissey predominantly free on the other side. You do, no, you do learn an awful lot, and uh, they probably weren't at their best yesterday, but... They, I suppose maybe they, did, they didn't They did have to be they were at their best when they needed to be and they still got the result while playing badly which can never be a bad thing
0: Yeah well we'll dig more into the hurling with Conal Keeney in part two but for now it's time to talk football we're allowed to have Column Keys with us and Colin, we, we might focus first with that Cork and Kerry game in Porky Rin on Saturday night after all this was the focus and, and venue controversy about where the game was going to be played Cork got their wish in playing the game on home soil but Kerry got the right result for from their point of view you know, we were, you, were you surprised with how the game unfolded. Cork obviously keeping it very close for so long, but then that late surge meant that Kerry still won, you know, pretty comprehensively.
2: Yeah, I suppose, well, Cork were able to hang in into the game for that length of time because they put together a very, very good defensive plan. And I think that revolved around Sean Powter, who had been injured since the Sigerson Cup final back, at, back in February. But, um, he was a, a late addition to the team, a surprise late addition to the team. But and He's a player that's been beset with a lot of injuries, but he's a really, really talented player that offers them solutions in a number of areas. And this solution of playing him as a, one of the sweepers uh, with David Clifford in mind uh, really, really worked out well for them. I think that was probably the most surprising aspect like, that Cork were able to, as they, as they did through Sean Meehan last year, were able to keep tabs on Clifford so well. I thought the venue... First of all, you mentioned at the outset, the venue worked well for uh, for Cork. It it did give them a cause. They were able to translate that into their performance, the aggression that they brought to the performance. The crowd were very tightly packed around. I'm not so sure about dimensions actually helping them in any way, but certainly the atmosphere and the idea that this wasn't. Uh, certainly the feel of a more open Fitzgerald stadium where, they, where they've taken some some pretty severe beatings over the last few years. So on that front, I think the Cork management justified and the players in their in their stance. The crowd uh, the crowd was accommodated uh, in its entirety, I think. Uh, but all around, I think the atmosphere lent itself to the type of aggressive and confrontational approach that Cork took to it. And I think the sweeper around Clifford, it's something that you're going to see certainly I think the, the league final against Mayo informed that. And it worked out well until ultimately they ran out of a bit of gas and those Cork substitutes, or those Kerry substitutes, in particular David Moran, I feel really settled down, settled Kerry down. And they were able to take it on from there and win, win pretty well. A different way than what they would have won, obviously, last year. But certainly uh, Kerry will benefit from a contest like that. And I think they will have welcomed it.
3: Speaking of aggression, Will, I don't know if Cork took any inspiration from Roy Keane, who was in attendance, but they definitely showed that bit of aggression in the first hour. And as Colin says, you probably just, it's just a Division I team coming up against a team that was at the bottom of Division Two. Cork probably emptied the tank, you know, the reserves that they were calling on in the final 15 or 20 minutes, just like pale in comparison experience-wise to what Kerry were bringing in. But I didn't expect much watching this game, been honest with you, and I thoroughly enjoyed it for, for the guts of an hour until until Kerry eventually pulled away. But I, I I do agree with Colum there. Um I think a lot of guys, probably on the Cork side, went above and beyond to make sure that they were on the field for this fixture. Sean Powder being one of them, Ian Maguire being another who made a like a miraculous recovery from a hand injury as well, and looked in bother at several stages during the game, but just kept trucking on. So in fair in fairness to Cork hopefully you'd, you'd think from their point of view, something to build upon going into the qualifiers from a Kerry point of view, I hundred percent agree with Colin. They weren't road tested last year. At least they got a really good challenge for an hour the other night. And that you'd, you'd hope from their point of view that that would serve, uh, Served them well when it comes to the latter stages.
2: And I suppose, that Michael, the concentration on Clifford uh, opened avenues yeah. for for a lot of other players. Stephen O'Brien in particular used this race. He's the one line-breaking half forward, probably that uh, that Kerry have. He can go by players. Paddy Clifford can do it to a degree too, but O'Brien is always really good at burrowing his way past the player, and he gives them that bit of gain in the half forward line. And also, obviously, Dearmadok. O'K- Connor is a, an evolving prospect. Uh, you know, he's he's in that um, Clifford Sean O'Shea genre from uh, as a minor, and uh, it's taken his time. He's only 23, I suppose. So maybe that's a bit unfair. Him, but uh, he had an injury last year, picked up in the Munster final against Cork, um, carried that into the All Ireland semi final. Didn't start that, but he's a really, really promising player that's really beginning to stretch out now. And you could see the physical power he brought. He's the that's the one takeaway. Uh, one of the takeaways from, from me from Saturday night for Kerry was his continued progression. Thought he was very, very good during the league, particularly at some of the more difficult venues up and in a scheme. And in our man place like that, he acquitted himself physically very well. And I think with all the pressure on Clifford, David, David Clifford, and even Paulie Clifford, and to a lesser degree, maybe Sean O'Shea, I think he's the one player that will really thrive in that. And gaps for himself and Stephen O'Brien certainly appeared on Saturday night.
3: Just on that as well, I think it's probably something you're going to see later on in the year as well. David Morn. that's not to say he would be an impact man the whole season. I, I'm not sure how that will that will pan out. But if in the last 15 or 20 minutes of a game, you have three guys part across the middle of the field like they had the other night in Morn O'Connor and Jack Barry, like Cork had nowhere to go. Um, they carry Presto high, they had to go long. And you have three of the best fielders in the game, um finishing it out and closing out the game for Kerry. So that's something you're probably going to see in, in you know, bigger and, and harder championship games towards the, towards the latter stages where Kerry will try and make teams go along. And that's the sort of, at the end of the game, and that's the sort of thing that we're more in O'Connor and these guys will absolutely thrive upon it. So I think we, we saw a few uh, glimpses of things that we're going to see in latter stages and that we'll probably be talking about in a couple of months' time.
2: And the other thing is, they kept another clean sheet, Kerry. That's twelve from, from 12 games now. If you include the three McGrath Cup games, and you know, you can say, well, they're only McGrath Cup, but the, the, the team has been sent out with the same philosophy. Whatever team it is, the same philosophy is to keep out goals. Goals hurt Kerry badly, obviously, in last year's All-Ireland semi-final. And new management has come in, and their philosophy is quite clearly keep keep goals out by whatever measure possible and they've done that once again. So that's they've conceded two goals in 12 games. That's in between eight league matches, three McGrath Cup and now a championship game. They've conceded two goals. One of those was a penalty and I was at the game and in the scheme that probably never should have been. The only goal they've conceded is to Tyrone. So that's a really good Good position for uh, for a Kerry team who is determined to to shut out as they did, knowing that it has been has been their most vulnerable point in recent years.
0: Yeah, and they have a three week break now until they play the Munster final against either Limerick or Tipperary. And Michael, from a Cork perspective, you know the qualifier route. There is already some big names in there that you know we've discussed over the last few weeks. Do you think they could have a kick in them? Do you think that they could go on a bit of a run, potentially get to an All Ireland quarter final, or do you think their race has maybe run already?
3: Yeah, you're really going into a shark tank. There's there's no easy games. with, with due respect to maybe division three and four teams in the, the previous guys of the qualifiers, you might get a tune up and, you know, be ready to hop off a bigger team then in, in the following round. There's gonna be no easy games. Um at the end of the day they kicked, what was it, eleven points the other night. While it was good for, for long stages, it was probably, you know, better defensively maybe than going forward. They took some great points in the second half off probably limited opportunities uh one guy that really stood out was was probably Carlo Manny. i think that was his first championship start but he'd probably been well flagged um from, from a few years uh back with the under 20s but they're gonna need uh, a, an awful lot more attack and threat if they're gonna trouble the mayos the tyrones of this world so they're probably going to be under pressure to go on a run but again like what do you need two games to be back in the you know the real latter stages of the of the all-ireland again i I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if they went on a run, um, but they could They could get matched up against a couple of teams of similar ability. If they do, they have a chance, but do I see them taking a big scalp along the way? I don't, if I'm honest.
0: Mm. But one interesting part of the game, as I think Colin and yourself mentioned, was their, their ability to maybe shut down David Clifford to an extent, I think, of the three matches. Kerry have played against Cork since COVID in the championship. I think he scored maybe four points in play, three points in play across the three games, which I think most teams in the country will be delighted with that sort of return. Colm, you know, you were at the donegal cavan game yesterday, which I think played out in a much more interesting and exciting fashion than a lot of people maybe had predicted. Uh, I know Donegal, obviously, having been beaten in the 2020 Ulster final, were maybe gunning for this one, but Cavan for long periods, played some great football and and really looked like an upset could have been on the cards.
2: It felt like there could be. It was a remote enough, even though you know what, what, with thirteen, fourteen minutes to go it was. It was. It was fourteen each, and Cavan had come back from from three down at one stage, and they'd led by three in the first half at one stage, and in the second half they'd closed the three point, a really good point to turn over from Parik Faulkner, and it felt like a significant moment. Personally, I just felt that they were flagging a little bit in the last quarter. Even before the goals went in, even before the goals went in, I just felt that maybe Donegal were picking up the pace a little bit. That were breaking. There was runners breaking faster and harder, and maybe just gaps were starting to open up there. But all told, it was a really creditable uh, performance from Cavan. I felt it validated what they did two years ago uh, to win the Ulster title, because really, you know, this was never a six-point game. The goals completely distorted the scoreline, and there were there were quite fortunate goals because in both cases uh, there were point attempts that dropped short and weren't dealt with by the Cavan defence, uh, and it it worked out in both cases for for Donny Gall. But I felt really creditable, and as I said, validated what they did. Cavan are a really good championship team. You just have to write off what happened in the league last year to send them down to Division Four. It was just just there was probably a bit of a hangover from, from the, from the Ulster championship win and just the way it happened. And I I think in a, in an eight team division three last year, they would have, they would have survived and probably got promotion this year from division three. I just feel they are, they are certainly uh, a division two team, uh, that's playing well below themselves in league football. And that, that, that distorts really where they are at the moment, uh, Obviously, they will be the strong touching Cup team if they put their mind to it and really focus on it. But they came with a decent plan. They put a lot of good long ball in around where James Smith and sometimes Thomas Gallagher, Patrick Lynch, who's been a real find for them. Obviously, they've known about him for a while, but he's really quickly adapted to to inter county football. And uh, Brendan Brendan McCall came into this game uh, riding high and a very very good reputation for what he did during the league and obviously against Armagh as well. And in the end. Donegal had to switch back on Van Gallagher for a while on him in the second half on Patrick Lynch to curtail him. So that's a measure of uh, how quickly he has assert him, asserted himself at senior football. Um, but I felt through Smith and through Gallagher, they brought a lot of power, a lot of aerial ability there. That really that, that troubled Donegal at times. And it's ironic that two aerial balls that they didn't deal with themselves were, were ultimately their downfall.
0: Yeah, Michael, and from a Donegal perspective, that's them into their 10th Ulster final in 12 seasons, I think, since Jim McGuinness got them there in 2011, which is a a very strong record considering how competitive Ulster has been. You know, where do you think they're at overall? Like, you know, obviously they haven't been able to get over the quarterfinal hump under Declan Bonner. Have you seen enough of them in the championship thus far with their two wins over Armagh and Cavan to suggest they might be able to go a bit further this year?
3: I suppose just on the, the 10 Ulster finals in 12 years, we probably... I don't. I don't know that we judge them harshly, but they have been very competitive, uh, consistently competitive, and consistently at a high level. It's just probably that we're always looking for a team to break through that glass ceiling. They obviously did in 2012, and you kind of you're thinking that there's a potential there to do it again. It hasn't happened in recent years. I, I'm not so sure. You know if we've seen enough to to warrant thinking that it, that it could happen this year again, uh, as Colum says, like. They they got it. They got uh, they got their lot from you know a team that was playing in Division Four throughout the spring and it was made. They were life was made very difficult for them. Uh, Column has been kind, even I'd say. And that that second ball that dropped in, if if that was a, if that was a shot, it was it was a fairly badly miscued shot. It probably was, but just badly executed, and it just kind of fell to the right man. And the first the first goal was a bit of a freak. Um, like, it's basically a leg thrown at it and it just kind of hit off his leg almost and, and went a in. A tidy finish. A, a tidy, you could say a tidy finish. Good reflexes. And I think Colum had it in his piece this morning in the paper, the, the, the irony maybe of, you know, that like Cavan leaving a high ball into the edge of the square in 2020 and got the goal that they needed to beat them in that famous day in November. And Donegal left two kind of very speculative efforts around the square and got their rewards for it yesterday but I, I, I don't know they, they'll get their fill of it again I'd say in an Ulster final regardless of who it is whether it's Derry or Monaghan but, but they're not operating currently at a level that would suggest that they're going to be All-Ireland contenders so maybe there's a couple of more gears in them, that remains to be seen
2: I actually think that Conor O'Donnell for that Conor O'Donnell goal, given the amount of reaction time he had, I thought he did very well to uh, shift his body to an angle where he had just a split second to uh, to make contact, and all it was was just to make the contact, and he did. And Raymond Galligan had come off his line at that stage, so uh, he wasn't there to 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 cover. He was in he was in the thick of it with Michael Murphy and Killian Brady and Killian Clark at that stage, and obviously he had advanced. He had seen Murphy under the dropping ball, and even though two of his colleagues was there, he felt instinctively, "I need to, uh, I need to get out and help these guys to to get this ball away." But it didn't, it didn't work out. And I suppose, in one respect, it shows the threat that Murphy is even when he's not on the ball, when he's when he's lurking around in that area. You saw it in the in the league match against Dublin. He's such a menace around there for teams, and even if it doesn't work out, he's always making them think, and it. In an indirect way, he really created that goal just by his presence there. But I thought a really good finish from Conor O'Donnell, I have to say. It was a split second he had, and whatever way he moved his his left leg to make contact, it worked, obviously.
3: Colin, just a quick one on Murphy. Was Murphy, uh, like um, you know, he was in full forward for the two goals. Was he there predominantly? Was he? I know I saw him back the field a good bit as well. Was it the case that they just moved him in full forward in the last few minutes, or where did he operate? Uh, I thought he
2: played. He played quite a bit, Michael. He played quite a bit inside. Obviously, he does move out from time to time, and he came out in the second half, and especially towards the end when the game needed a bit of locking down. But predominantly inside. would not say he was completely full forward. Maybe just out around the D quite a bit. He involved in a lot, a lot of assists. He obviously kicked a, a very good second half point and I thought all around he was very productive and uh, just some of his layoffs were very clever. So it's just his, his, his presence all around. Uh, I, I think we're seeing a bit more of him in full forward uh, even during the league uh, for the games he played there. He was um, quite prominent there as well. So I think I think, yes, he's he has been pushed in there a lot more and they're trying to work off him. And he's such a good distributor of the ball as well. I mean, he will almost always pick the right pass. And uh, I think for the rest of the campaign, we will see him in a much more advanced position.
0: Yeah, certainly one of the great debates in the GA even this morning, Eamon Sweeney writing in the Irish independent about whether he should be stationed in and full forward for with more regularity. Michael, just on the Talchon Cup then, obviously, Kevin. Favourites probably, you know, give, I know we don't know every team who's in it just yet, but given the strength of their performance yesterday, you know, it's been interesting just listening to some of the managers of teams who will be competing in it and maybe their fear that it won't get the coverage or the showcase that they think it warrants to get players interested. Like, I know it hasn't started yet, but what's your kind of read on that element of it at the moment? Would you be fearful that maybe it kind of gets lost in the shuffle?
3: Yeah, no, I, I would be, Will, just because I'm looking at, you know, I'm following offly obviously, closely in the Joe McDonald Cup and with the best will in the world there's great games going on in the McDonough Cup like they're just they're just being overshadowed by what is usually you know five senior championship games been played that weekend between Leinster and Munster and it's only natural that they're going to be in the shadows as a result of that so the Tolton Cup kicks off at the end of this month I know as you say we don't know all the teams involved you'd have to say it, it hasn't exactly been front and centre promotion wise um, by the GA at the moment they're kind of running out of time in that respect as well and you know Every day, I, when I pick up the paper or look online, somebody's calling or urging on the A to promote it a bit more. So, like, I do, think, I do think that's a big part of it. This is the first year of the tolchin Cup. Usually with something, you know, you really go gung-ho to get it front and centre that first year. And then, you you know, not coast off the momentum, but carry that momentum into the next couple of years. I was chatting to Stephen King, who was the, the cabin captain when they won in 97, and he was just saying... That you know, if they don't get the Tauchan Cup this right this year, that'll be dead in the water. And there is there is a fear of that because games will be lost. And there's another element in that as well. I'm a, you know a, a big fan of the split season, but I do think we probably need another between two to four weeks just to space out the championship uh, a bit more just to give games more of a time to breed and within that potentially you could have you know a couple of Tolchin cup weekends where you know there's they're the big games that have been focused on also you're, you you really need to be looking at double header games in the Tolchin cup where they're you know uh, a pre-appetiser for a big championship game that's following if it's you know, we can't have the case where there's three or four hundred people at a Talchon Cup game when there's loads of other things going on. We need to kind of, you know, be clever, I suppose, in how we organise games around that. But I would have a worry that it's going to be overlooked. Um, I know the final has been played before the all Ireland semi-final. But, you know, we want you want eyes on the Talchon Cup long before the final phases. So there is a bit of a worry in that respect. And it's going to be interesting to see over the next two to three weeks before it kicks off Uh, how hard or not the GA go at, you know, promoting it and marketing it to make sure that everybody knows it's going on, who are the teams involved, uh, when are the games on, how many games, if any, are going to be on TV before the final stages. I think that will be fascinating to see.
0: Yeah, just in terms of the schedule, I, I was looking at the upcoming weekends to see what games were on, and I believe the Talchum Cup semi-finals have a Sunday to itself. Uh, the weekend of the All Ireland quarter-finals and those games I think are both scheduled for OT. So the semi-finals, uh, as far as I know, will be on TV as well as the final, and then it'll be interesting to see, as you say, what they do for some of the other games. Colin, what, what's your view on it? You know, having been talking to the various players and teams, in your own opinion, do, do you think it's it's going to be something that will capture the attention that will work long term? Well, it'll capture
2: the attention when it gets to semi-final stage because there'll be nothing else for the attention to be captured by. As you said just there, Will, the semi-finals are going to be live TV on the prime time slot, shall we call them, two o'clock and four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. So that'll focus minds. But maybe, just maybe, there will be a switch off from the general, the wider audience too on that. That'll be interesting to see what what are viewing figures like for it. What's the, what's the general interest? Does it create any talking points? And obviously the final being a curtain raiser to one of the All-Ireland semi-finals, we see how that plays out too. There's a general body of thought that it should have aligned completely with the All-Ireland final, that the minor final and that should have been dispensed with and that the Talching Cup should be the curtain raiser on All-Ireland final day. And even if it has had impacts, it would really uh, embellish the status of it. But I'd have to say, I think it will be a little bit lost in the early stages. Uh, even right now, it's impossible to determine the formats because... Um and maybe there's not an awareness there that the first two rounds, the first round and the quarterfinals, will be run off on a geographical basis. So you'd be looking at north and south. So effectively the teams in the uh the teams in the northern half will come from Ulster and and Connacht and possibly Longford, and then the Leinster, the South Leinster teams from say Westmead, off leashed down. That's if Westmead are there, of course. I shouldn't have said that. But if it's them, and they, you know, they could be one of the teams there if they don't beat Kildare. They'll be in the southern half. So there's a lot to there's a lot to sort out. So from a promotional point of view, well, you can't really promote anything just yet until you know exactly what the constituents are. So that's a difficulty from one point of view. Um, And even now, it's unknown as to whether there will be a preliminary round. Uh, that's obviously to pare down the number of teams. So if Westmeath and Tipperary are in the mix and everything goes to form, you will have 16 teams plus New York who are guaranteed a quarterfinal place. So you must get the 16 teams down to seven and that will require two preliminary round fixtures in, in that regard. So there's a lot of scenarios to play out between now and the draw on Monday morning. And uh, really, we don't know who's going to be north and who's going to be south. There's a rough sketch of who it will be. So from a point of view of promotion, difficult to promote it just yet. But I would expect and hope that it will be a lot more aggressive in in terms of the focus on it in the uh, in the weeks after next Monday.
0: And just to finish up on the football, Michael, galway Leitrim was the other kind of prominent uh, championship game, Galway winning well to set up a Division 2 final rematch against Roscommon in the Connacht final. Another step in the right direction for Galway.
3: Yeah, um, and clinical enough, kind of winning as as they should have been, which is um, I'm sure, uh, you know, a part of Joyce will, will definitely take that on board and, you know, they have a bit of a revenge mission against, against Roscommon. There's not going to be anything in that and there never was going to be um and you, you just wonder going into that league final did the you know the effects of maybe playing a weekend team the the week before that did that have any effect on on even their psyche going into that final but that was you know, that was a brilliant uh, that was a brilliant league final that uh, was probably the best game of football I played that weekend including the division one final the quality was really really high and uh, you know both of the both, both Ross and Galway are going to really fancy this so yeah that should be a belter of a game and realistically you know. Going into the semi-final, what were Galway hoping for? Just a, you know, a comprehensive result, no major injury scares. So I'd say they're happy enough going into it. Yeah, no, that should be, uh, that should be potentially be one of the games of the season. I'd say, um, with an awful lot at stake between two sides who um, have been fairly feisty down through the years. So that should be a cracker.
0: Colin, I'll give you the last word. Then, do you think Galway can kind of change the result from the Division Two final and and get a win in, in the final?
2: Yes, I do. Uh, well, I think, uh, I think they're moving very nicely in the right direction. Um, driven on by Paul Conroy, who's really having a, a renaissance towards the end of his career. If it is to be the end of his career, obviously he's in, he's in that zone now, but he's playing really impressively. Uh, he really caught my eye against Mayo. There's a lot of power about Galway. And, and one thing, I suppose, uh, you look at the scoreline from, from yesterday's game. Uh, they didn't hang about. They didn't show any mercy, no sentiment. They just went and racked up a big score and, and won convincingly. And that's really what the top teams do. And that's what Galway have to do as well. So I think they're coming together. Uh, wouldn't expect a whole lot between Galway and Roscommon. And that's, that's, been the, uh, that's been the template for their games over the last few years. But I do think Galway are heading the right direction. I think, uh, I think they will have the edge in this game, particularly up front. Great stuff, Colin.
0: Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Will. Well, we're delighted to be joined on this week's Throw-In by Conal Keeney. Conal, how are you? How you doing? Not too bad now, thanks. Yeah, great to have you on. It was a a quieter weekend in the Hurling Championship after a pretty exciting and busy last couple of weeks. But still, the game we did get yesterday, Limerick-Tipperary, turned out to be a a pretty cracking encounter. Limerick getting out on the right side of the result just about at the end. But Tipperary showed a lot of fight. Were you impressed with how close they took the All-Ireland Champions? Uh,
1: Yeah, well... If you were to read all the predictions coming in and, and, and pundits, you know, Tipperary had no chance. And uh, even in the bookies, they weren't giving them any chance at all. So like, that's a great position for a team really to be in. You know, no matter what happens, that uh, it can only be good. So uh, obviously Tipperary, especially though that team, are hurting and they don't like obviously getting beaten. And, and the manner in which they're being spoken about, I suppose, is probably uh, irritating as well. So uh, it was a good opportunity to try and... Uh, to show what they're what they what they're what they're made of, you know. And, and some of those younger lads that are there and are, are, are really top top uh, level hurlers, and they just haven't really got the got the got the chance to win it. And look, the easy thing to say is Tipperary were missing so many of, of their so called leaders over the years, and it's you know it's it's it, they're in a the rebuilding process. But it just goes to show that, that they weren't far off. Uh, yes, they albeit it, maybe they ran out of steam maybe in the last eight ten minutes or whatever, and, and Limer kind of came through in the end. But. It was still a very spirited performance from Tipperary, even though that's probably no good to them really at this stage. But um, still, it's something to build on, rather than what, what what we've seen previous.
0: Yeah, Michael, from your perspective, like the Tipperary do things in that game that you think other teams could replicate in terms of troubling Limerick.
3: Yeah, there were definitely a couple of things. Well, um, I I really uh, I was really impressed with how they shut down Dermot Burns, particularly in the first half. Joe uh, Brown was picking him up. He was floating everywhere and anywhere because he kind of knows generally Burns is a half-back, right half-back, and he will not follow. He like They really tried to hold their ground. So Jer Brown got a good bit of joy. He got three points off him. Another thing as well is that when the ball was over that side of the pitch, I thought Tipperary nearly flooded that wing really well. They didn't allow Burns to get free shots away like he had the week previous. And on a counter of that, because maybe Dan Morrissey and the other wing doesn't hurt you as much from long distance and maybe does, is not as prolific as, as a shooter as Burns is, they kind of left him free at, diff- at different times. So I thought that that was one thing in particular that, that really impressed me. Um, they pushed up on the, the Limerick puck out the times they were getting in their faces, they were getting hurls in, getting bodies in. Um, I know Eddie Brennan had it in the paper today. Like, <laughs> sometimes it just it does come down to like you know how much heart you're showing on a given day um, you could probably say in the in the Clare game, you know, Tipperary were off the pace. They didn't. They weren't getting stuck in. There was you know very little physicality from their end. It was the polar opposite yesterday. They really got uh, in Limerick's faces. And the one thing from a Limerick point of view that you have to admire is, um, and Connell will tell you from you know playing big games when it's going against you, it's it's very hard to turn it in game and turn it around in your favour. But that's the brilliance of Limerick that they're able to do that. That. Things, so many things can be misfiring for them, but they're still able to produce it. And I suppose having the bench that they have and calling in the guys that they did and David Reedy getting a point and Conor Boylan barred and true and winning a free and then getting a goal as well. Having those options, they were probably the options that Tip didn't have uh, from the players that, some of the players that they were missing. But that's probably the thing that impressed me most about Limerick, just how cool they were when, you know, it looked like everything was going wrong for them. It looked like not the exact same as the All-Ireland, final or the All-Ireland semi-final in 2019 against Kilkenny. But there was a lot of things going against them. A lot of guys not performing up to their level. You know, a lot of mis- bad striking, bad touches, which is uncharacteristic for them. But they were still able to find a way. And that's, I suppose that's one of the great signs of a, of a champion.
0: Yeah, Conor, what stands out to you watching Limerick?
3: Well, I think exactly what was just said there.
1: Yesterday was so impressive.
3: uh, The
1: fact that, like, look, I've played in games before when things go against you, and like that's infectious in a team. You know, it doesn't go well for me, and and I'm looking across, and it's not going well for someone else. And, you know, everyone's looking for something else and uh, for someone else to do something. And and if it doesn't start happening, uh, it it can be very difficult. Uh, It's a big hole that you go down, and, and, you know, you just want to get out of there. But I think for Limerick to bring on the subs that they can bring on, they, they kind of freshen it up and, and they get the game going again and, and kind of help that process to get out of it. And I know it's everyone always says with the management, it's you got to trust in your process and, and believe in what you're doing. And, and Limerick just do that down to a tee. Like if that was any other team, like you, you definitely you definitely see the panic set in and you wouldn't be able to recover from it. Um, but for them yesterday, like they just stuck to it and they believe that if they stick to it for the full uh, for the full game, they will get out of it, and, and that's exactly what happened.
3: I think that's the most impressive thing, Well, They don't deviate at all. There's even, like, there was a, a stage before half time there where Tom Morrissey was, was hooked twice within about a couple of seconds. It's something that very rarely happens. Then Dan Morrissey threw up a ball and, like, nearly missed the ball. He completely mishit it. It went about 10 yards. And then Daryl Donovan uh, has a ball dr- and goes to switch hands to hand pass ends up dropping his hurl and giving away a free. And all these things happening. And then all of a sudden, they're just still able to keep on an even keel. And it's, it's as Colin says, they're such a difficult thing to do when things are going uh, going against you. But like a couple of re- you know, really big leaders standing up near the end. Gerald Hegarty mightn't have done the damage on the scoreboard, but like just in the last 15 minutes, like there was no end to him. Same with Tom Morrissey. Sean Finn was just brilliant coming out with ball after ball. Declan Hannan coming up and getting an inspirational score as well. And yet again, it's this score and burst, usually in the second half. I think it was 2-5 to no score yesterday from the, the 60th minute. I think from seven or eight minutes after that, I think it was 10 points to one against Waterford in the second half. And they did blitz against Cork as well. And like we're talking about them not playing well and they're still hitting that 30-point barrier. Like a team not playing particularly well and been shut down for an hour and they've still hit the 30-point, that kind of magic 30-point barrier for the third championship game in a row. It's just seriously impressive.
0: Conal, do you think Limerick were lucky not to get a red card? Like, you know, that pull by Aaron Galan, who had another very strong game, you know, getting a 2-1 from play. You know, was he fortunate not to get a red card? Look,
1: uh, I've I seen them be. I've seen them given as a red card. But like to be fair to Gallan, I think he was kind of pulling out of it. Like it, his, his, his two hands weren't on the hurt. So it was one hand kind of a flick near the end. Look, it was a wild pull. I think a yellow was fair, Um to get a red for that, it would be a little bit harsh. I would have thought, but reckless. But uh, you, you, you see them all the time, like to a degree. And look, it would have been wrong. I think a red card. That's my opinion now, anyway. Um, but ju- just to touch back on the on, on the Limerick thing, Limerick playing kind of poorly the last day. It, like what a position for the management to be in. They can use that now to beat them uh, for the next couple of weeks, coming into a Munster final and. Uh, like it's, it's just incredible to think that they that they win with that margin at the end, uh, and still they have uh, the management have loads like to go after at, at them for the next couple of weeks coming into a Munster final, you know. So it's, it's what a place to be in for the man, for the management really.
0: And Colin, let's uh, take a step back and maybe have a look at, at Leinster as well. I know there was no games over the weekend, but a huge one coming this Saturday, Dublin Kilkenny, uh at Parnell Park. You know, where do you think Dublin are at? They got that impressive victory down in Wexford Park. They do seem primed to you know maybe take another step forward, but in, in years past, maybe when they've had a big victory, they haven't always been able to kick on. So, how do you assess where they're at at the moment?
1: Uh, very hard to judge. I, I wouldn't take a look. Yes, it was a good uh, victory uh, against Wexford, but that would have been that would have been expected, like for, especially up in Dublin. Like, yes, it's a tough place to go, but I don't think Wexford are the team as they were. Um, and like we would have expected to go down there and, and to get a result. This, I think this game in, in Parnell Park is, is the one that has been uh, this and the Galway game but especially this because it's in Parnell has been earmarked a long, long time ago that this is where we need to get a result um, and look, obviously we need to get a result uh, to have, have a better chance of going through and um, and I think Kilkenny are probably in that little bit of a transition there. they're not sure where they're really at or how they're going are well they're not going well and it's a perfect opportunity to, to bring it to Parnell Park and to really physically go after them um, and I think the the game in the league where Kenny absolutely destroyed Dublin um, is, is very much in their minds as well. And, and uh, I think any time you get a team to Parnell Park in Championship, um, it, it, it's, for, for Dublin, I will always fancy themselves, no matter who it is, in Parnell Park. So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, uh, if Dublin come out uh, the right side on the weekend.
0: Yeah, Michael, how are you looking at the game?
3: Yeah, it's kind of hard to assess. Um, you look at Dublin against, like, on farm lines, you know, they probably struggled over Leash, uh, were only in maybe second or third gear against Westmead, got that result against Wexford that they needed to get. That's kind of nearly put one foot uh, in, you know, at least the, the preliminary All-Ireland quarter final. So they're in, they're in a good position coming, uh, with Kilkenny coming to Parnell Park at the weekend. If Kilkenny had gotten a draw against Galway, you know they'd be a lot more maybe confident coming coming or uh, making that trip up at the weekend. But like they're really playing for their lives, Kilkenny in particular. They like they, they have to get a result, um, a positive result of some kind. So it's going to be intriguing. Like to the best, of, to the best of my memory, I think when when Conan was playing in twenty thirteen, uh, that replay in Port Leash, That's the last time I think Dublin beat Kilkenny in championship. Um, so like that's. Nine years later, what we probably thought was a big breakthrough moment. And obviously it was a breakthrough because Dublin ended up winning Leinster after. But we probably thought it would be a more regular occurrence maybe for Dublin to beat, be beating Kilkenny in championship. So uh, it's an opportunity, an opportunity knocks for, for Dublin at the weekend. Number one, to get one over in Kilkenny. Number two, probably if they, if, if they can get a victory, they basically have one foot in the Leinster final as well
0: yeah I think in that, in that opening round robin game in 2018 as well they came very close to beating them in Parnell Park I think a very late goal from Michael Kenny uh, got, a, got a victory for them that day Conor like what, what's the kind of mentality for Dublin Herders when they come up against Kenny as Michael said there hasn't been that many victories over them in the championship uh, do they loom quite large psychologically when you're going head to head with them
1: if you, if, you, if you rewind a couple of, uh, more than a couple of years a few years when, when I was involved it was always a chance to, uh, to test yourself against them look they, they were the, the standard bearers for years. Okay, this probably dropped a little bit now, but it's it's still, you know, Cody's there and Cody never wants to lose to anyone. Uh, and we, we've we seen that the last day. Uh, so the mentality of Dublin is, I would say, is, is start the game at a ferocious pace uh, and be as physical as possible everywhere on the field. Like if the ball is up the other end of the field, you're physically on top of your man, trying to put him off. Um, and to basically get to the last... 15 minutes of the game and and be able to shout and then that's where you're really going to, to go after it then you're, you'd hope that all the training that you've probably done previous is uh, to give you that fitness level to, to to really go strong in the last 15 minutes but it's really to try and as much as possible in Parnell Park it's, it's to bully them as much as possible and to be physically in their faces because if, if you if you try and hurl, hurl with them I think uh, when I was there go toe to toe hurling with them you might as well forget about it because they're they're just going to destroy you. You know they're going to be flicking ball around everywhere. So it's really in that middle third uh, to to start winning those breaks and making sure that if any if any man moves, that you're hitting them. That's really what we used to think about. Even when under under daily, it was it was be as physical as possible um, uh, from from the word go and, and try and rule the skies as, uh, and, and the ball on the ground and do what you have to do to make sure you win that win that possession.
0: And you mentioned the Parnell Park factor earlier. Like, could you give us a bit of an insight into what it's like to play a big championship game there? Obviously, you would have played in Croke Park, you know, numerous occasions with Dublin footballers and hurlers, and had some good victories there. But what does the Parnell Park factor, you know, bring to the table?
1: When you get a full house there, like the crowd are on top of you, it's no more, no more than any other place. But uh, the fact that uh, it's it's a home game for for Dublin, like the lads know it inside out. They train there most evenings, Um and when the crowd are there you just feel like that you can do more, you know, because the, la- the the crowd are so vocal and you can hear every little bit of slagging or every bit of encouragement um, from the stand. Um, and, I think that's just a that little bit. It, look, it's probably no, no different if you're down in Ennis or if you're down in any other. Uh, but for Dublin, lads, I think uh, it, it's, it's just a great extra motivation. And you, you really have uh, the platform there just to show all the Dublin supporters what really Dublin Hurling uh, is about and, and where it should be and, and the quality in the, in the team. And that's always we wanted to do. We wanted to just display exactly um, uh, w- w- what we're doing and, and how good we really are. And against McKinney is, is no better.
3: Galatasaray was what we always called it. Uh, calling time we were up there, often.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, look, you try and make your home place like that, you know, um, and make it as difficult as possible for us. But yeah, look, it was a place I I, I, I love playing, and lucky enough to play a couple of championship games there. I'd say if you ask any of the Dublin footballers, they'd they'd absolutely take a hand off to play a championship game in Parla Park. Probably not going to happen now in the next maybe ten years or, or ever again, but. Um you know, when the when Parnell Park is full and it's rocking, it's there's no better place in, in in my opinion anyway.
3: Can I just ask you, Connell? Um there's probably been a fair reliance on on Donald Burke. You've played with him, you know how, how good of a player he is. But how um how much of a necessity is it for others to to chip in? he's probably taking the bulk of the scoring load at the moment.
1: Yeah, he is, yeah. Like he's come on some amount since he first came onto to the panel, you know, but he he I think The other lads around him know his know how good he is and and the quality So, like, if you're getting the ball nine times out of ten, he's somewhere loose. Like, it just—I'm not sure how he actually gets gets uh, into that pocket every time, and and he's so accurate. Like, he he just takes one look and he and he has a shot from everywhere. And at the moment, they're all going over. Like, it's it'd be a different case. I think when he came onto the panel first, he had that kind of attitude as well, which was like, you know, give me the ball and I'll shoot. But. He was shooting, and they were dropping short, or they were going left and, and wide, and that kind of eats away at a lad's confidence. And then, once that happens, everyone's on their back saying, "Listen, stop shooting!" You know, you start passing around. But now he's in such a uh, in a great position that, like, uh, anytime anyone gets the ball and they see him, they're going to give him the ball, and like that's a great position to be in for 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 Donald himself. Um but look, he's going to be uh, really targeted uh, against Kenny. There's no doubt about it. But, and because Parnell Park is probably that little bit tighter, it's hard to find those pockets of space um, to, to, to get off those scores. But look, he's, do, he's been doing it so far. So um, I, I just really hope that he, uh, he, he can keep doing it from, from play because his freeze are absolutely exceptional from nearly to 45. His own 45 in, you'd nearly say, uh, it's, you'd write it down and it's the score
0: straight away. Just to change tact a bit, Connell, you mentioned the Dublin footballers there a minute ago. You know, what's your view on how on how they're fixed ahead of their game against Mead next weekend as well? There seems to be a lot more positivity around the team, even though it was only Wexford, a Division Four side. There's even the way they put them to the sword, especially in the second half, there seem to be kind of more positive noises around the team than there was during the league.
1: Yeah, there does. Yeah, yeah. Like that's just the way it is. It's very fickle, you know. Like you put one by game and everything's the you know the worst in the world but you start getting a, a good few performances back and things change very quickly look I think yes it was a great performance against Wexford uh, it was probably more encouraging to see uh, how they were setting up maybe defensively and and in certain individuals going back to their best like Fenton was excellent Conor Callum was excellent these lads uh, Dublin need these lads back now Um but like you know, you have to. All due respect to Wexford, like that's they're 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 well down the table in, in Division Four. Like so, that's that's. Uh, I don't think Dublin will be too worried, uh, and that, that the scoreline there. I think Mead will probably bring a different challenge to it. And I I, I suppose if you look back on and when Mead and uh, no Mead nearly beat Dublin there uh, a couple of years ago, and I think it's from speaking to me people that they feel that they had a great chance of of getting one over on them. They missed a couple of goal chances and things could have been a bit different. But it probably being, like like all Dublin and Me games, are bringing it to a a life of its own to to a certain degree. But ultimately, you'd have to say, a game in Crow Park, if it was outside of Crow Park, I'd give Me a great chance. But the fact that it's back in Crow Park um and 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 Dublin are, are seemingly looking looking like they're getting back to some bit of form and and getting injuries behind them and having come back and probably get James McCarthy maybe start this weekend and Fenton playing well and the usual suspects those leaders, uh, you'd expect Dublin to 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 win, but it won't be uh, I don't won't it won't be a cakewalk like they've had previous games.
3: Colin, just when you mentioned Conn, am sorry, I have to ask it because you see what he did for the footballers and what he's been consistently doing. Like, do you think he'll ever play Hurling for Dublin? And if he did, I know Anthony Daly um, always references you coming back from the footballers to the hurlers as just even inspiring everyone uh, around you on the squad. Like, what sort of an effect do you think it would have? I know it's maybe a bit hypothetical, but if he ever was involved with the Dublin hurlers? yeah. Like,
1: uh, is he going to play with them again, or Hurling? I've no idea. Like, I I don't know... Um... Yeah, he, he's be obviously been playing with Kula and for any time he plays with Kula he is their main man like he's getting the scores he, he's the main reason in my eyes that they won the All-Irelands those times like he was absolutely un- unmarkable uh, now he probably hasn't been playing enough hurling I suppose uh, and things are getting a little bit harder for, for Kula they're probably losing a few of their, their, their leaders and, and uh, it's it's not as the game isn't coming as easy to him he's probably not getting the ball he wants inside and um, but look if he came back and played for the hurlers, yes, he'd be a great addition. Uh, w- would he be the same addition that he is to Cooler when he comes back? I don't know. It's a massive difference between playing club and uh, an intercounty. Like uh, to go to go to it from playing cl- club maybe a kind of a half a season every year to go and play in Intercounty. It's, it's a massive uh, commitment and uh, not saying he wouldn't be able to do it, but it would be a huge challenge for him and maybe it's a challenge that he'd want to, he'd want to take in a, in a couple of years when he's pretty much nearly won it all at the football and he's still ready too young to go back. It'd be great to have him there, um, but I'm just not sure it's going to happen in the next couple of years.
0: And, you know, in terms of like the club-county kind of split season, now obviously you're someone who's had a very storied club career as well as playing for Dublin in both codes. You know, are you a fan of the way they've done the season to give more time to club players?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, to be very honest with you, yes. um, uh Like, for an inter-county player, um, I think to go play inter-county and then go back to your club, I, th- I think that's I think that's completely fine um, because all that, uh, nonsense where it was it April was not a, a county season and you're back to your club that never worked. County players or county managers were not releasing you back in time and if you were you were only going back for one session and coming back into the county and trying to keep it under wraps and that didn't work so everyone knew that um, uh, Does it work at the minute? Look, I, I haven't gone back to the club yet at the minute, I'm out injured so I'm out for the last, since the whole year so I haven't really been training to, to really get a, a handle on that. But by all accounts it seems to be okay at the minute for the club players. There's an awful lot of league games being played. They're all happy to be playing and they know when the championship is going to be and it's going to be relatively in good weather in, in, in the end of the summer. So the club players kind of relatively happy. Um I'm just not sure uh, I know it probably doesn't answer your question but I don't know to be very honest if it's if it's if it's working yet. I'd I'd need to have a full season of it behind me
0: yeah I think that's fair enough I think a lot of people are waiting until the end of this, this year anyway to to kind of cast judgment on it. To, just before we let you go then we might get a final prediction from you for the game in Parnell Park on Saturday do you think Dublin will beat Kilkenny
1: I was saying earlier on yeah I, I think they have a great chance um, but look I think it, over the years since, since I was a young lad since when I think it was in 1998 I remember Dublin were favourites to beat Clickenny uh, uh, in Parnell Park I went to the game and Dublin were absolutely destroyed so anytime Dublin are an early favourites it, it never works so I'm not going to tip them to, be, to beat Kikenni this weekend uh, <laughs> Reverse because <psychology>. of that. <laughs> but I think they have a great chance. I think if they get their team in order, if they pick the right team uh, and they go with the right mentality, uh, they have an absolute super chance um, to turn them over. But the other side of it, Kenny are in a dangerous position. Um, they probably feel hard but done by what happened in Galway and they need to get a result this weekend and uh, with Cody there, he's not going to be taking anything lightly. So, I just don't know you know you probably go let's just say it, for the sake of a typical Kenny but uh, behind the scenes I, 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 be, I, be, I wouldn't be surprised to don't in
0: great stuff Connell. thanks so much for joining us
1: ok no bother lads. cheers
0: that's all we have time for on the throne this week but we will be back later in the week with another podcast with Philly McMahon looking ahead to all the football talking points next weekend in the meantime you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts SoundCloud or listen on independent.ie so until next time thanks for listening and goodbye